You, you, you are now listening to the Project Kuwait. To the Project Kuwait. To the Project Kuwait. Where we stop at nothing to bring you the right facts on health, fitness, and psychology. Featuring some of the world's most experienced professionals. So you can learn, lift, and live with your hosts, Meg, Dr. D, and Mehdi. Hey everybody, welcome to this episode of The Project, and we are following the trend and continuing with the coronavirus. And right now I'm joined by Dr. Yasmin Zurba, who has been pumping out a lot of good information on her Instagram handle um, to try and educate people and dilute the false information that's being spread around. Dr. Yasmin, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. All right, so the first question that I think a lot of um, gym junkies have in mind is how much muscle are they going to lose during the quarantine? <laughs> <laughs> okay. I've had, I've actually thought about that too. As soon as they closed down my gym, I was like, Oh darn, the only place I actually wanted to go. <laughs> but, um, honestly it's, uh, the use it or lose it is a cliche for a reason. It's actually true. And, uh, studies do show that two weeks of inactivity can uh, begin to negate the gains of your heart and muscle mass. So a lot of people I know are lifting weights at home, uh, people who already have weights and some people are using things they find around the house. I've actually seen a friend use, um, do you know those gallons that are on top of the water coolers, yep, the, yep. the massive ones? So I have a friend who is using those, <laughs> anything you can find and it's not as safe, but anything you can find around, honestly, as, as long as you stay active and even if you want to walk around the block, that would be fine as long as it's not in a group and you're not and you're a meter away from anyone around you, then that would be okay. Well, speaking of using things, I have three backpacks. I have an Under Armour normal laptop backpack <laughs> and I filled that up with sand. I got about 30 kilos out of that. And then I have the Rocks backpack. Um, it's a duffel bag. So I filled that up with sand. I got 40 kilos out of that. And oh, wow. my son's, uh, I stole my son's backpack, filled that one up with sand, got about 12 kilos out of that one. And I turned my son's <laughs> little backpack into a kettlebell. Um, so that worked perfectly. And then I have the duffel bag that is like a sandbag. So I can do uh, cleans to over the shoulder. I can do squats. I can do back squats, front squats. That's amazing. That's, that's so much better advice than uh, the other things too because it's safer. It's easier to grip. But I, I actually thought you were going to say you, you use your son to work out. <laughs> well, I've done that one before too. So, <laughs> But I mean, another thing that I'm probably going to do is I'm probably going to take the spare tire off of my car so that I can do thrusters with it because when I looked at the weightage of it, it's around 44 kilos. So I'm right. trying to, I just don't want to lose the muscle mass that I've gained. Now, if we are staying active and we're doing push-ups, we're doing a lot of body weight stuff, we'll still maintain that, that raw muscle, uh, so to speak, mm -hmm. that we have. Correct? Mm -hmm. Correct. If you stay active, you will. The problem that a lot of people are facing is the motivation to actually do this stuff at home. A lot of people go to the gym because it keeps them motivated, people working out around them. So I guess they have to find that motivation from within now and from like all of the sources online and uh, the videos of people doing home workouts. And how important for our how important is this for our immune system to actually stay active um and you know move around and you know try and stick with our one to two hours in the gym routine it's very important because exercise decreases inflammation in in your body also um 
exercise will improve your how you're feeling psychologically. And uh, the problem with the quarantine is that it's putting a lot of people at risk of um, like mild mild depression, maybe even deeper depression for people who already had it, anxiety. So maintaining um, an active lifestyle during the quarantine, during the times where they have to stay at home, is actually an immune system booster for people who are trying to look for other things to boost their immune system. This is actually something that really will. Okay. And now would... Uh, mentally, you 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 talked about the mental side of exercise before we got onto the show. Now, mentally, what is that going to do for someone b- by reducing the anxiety? Can anxiety weaken our immune system also? Uh, anxiety definitely can. I think I think um, one of the most things that has a, a large effect on our immune system uh, are is anything psychological. Um, Anxiety also leads to depression on the long run, it can. So just doing something like a workout or anything that makes you happy, especially working out, whether you like it or not, when you're done with the workout, you can definitely feel the endorphins like rushing into your body, the adrenaline, a lot of, um, a lot, you kind of feel a little lightheaded and, and the joy just hits you. So it's not even something that you plan in the beginning. You just plan for a good workout. And then by the end, you're a little happy, whether you like it or not, whether you wanted it or wanted it or not, whether it was voluntary or not. A hundred percent. I mean, I, I literally just had a workout before talking to you for about 45 minutes to an hour. And it was as simple as doing clamshells with a band, um, glute right. bridges with a band. You know, I did four sets of clamshells, four sets of glute bridges. And then I had, you know, I'm a CrossFitter. So I did my wad with, you know, you know, 10 sandbag cleans, 20 sandbag squats and 30 sit-ups and, you know, 40 cal assault bike. So I'm trying to stay... You know, like you don't want to you want to keep that groove going because I think routine is important also. Correct. Right. That's amazing. And and, and all and also routine is very important. You touched on a very, very good point. And a lot of people don't work anymore and are working from home. So they completely lost any routine they've had. So at least maintaining their workouts will will kind of keep something going that they're used to doing every day. A lot of a lot of um, uh, gyms as well are posting home workouts that you can do, and um, I know f- I know that there is, there is an app that that has like a two week free subscription. Yeah, yeah, I, for- I, I saw that too. Yeah, yeah. Then I, I mean, I want to throw it out there. There are a lot of good trainers out there too that are posting home workouts and they're doing online coaching. And the app is great, in my opinion, but right now I think the people that need the most help are these trainers that work on an hourly basis because closing down gyms, I mean, I feel terrible for some trainers that do PTs only. Um, It's going to be a struggle for them. Um, It it really is. Now, what would you recommend to someone who wants to hire that PT to come to their house? Would you advise on it Um, or would you say, no, the quarantine is not meant to have PTs? Or would you say there are certain measures that we can take to have the PT come to our house? I actually thought of that earlier and I was thinking uh, that PTs coming to your house is against the quarantine, but, but, but the quarantine is against a large amount of people getting together. So just one individual coming into your home for a good cause and trusting that person to 
not come if they have any symptoms, to not come if they're not feeling well, if they've been out of the country, if they're supposed to be in home quarantine, then they shouldn't come at all. But if they're not supposed to be in home quarantine and they've been in, in the country for long enough and they don't display any symptoms, then I don't see I don't see a problem if and uh, just having this trust and honesty system where yeah. if you do have if you do think you're going to be a risk to a household that you're stepping into just don't go and don't offer that service now say say someone like me for instance i you know i had a couple friends that were like oh let's do a workout together and i have a five-year-old son who has you know a weakened immune system he's very prone to chest infections and getting sick fast so for me i'm trying Mm -hmm. to take this i'm taking a step ahead of caution and you know i'm like no i'm not going to have anyone come near me or anything now am i going overboard with that or can i have people come over but you know limit the distance maybe like a five foot you know, distance between me and them, um, sort of, you know, using different equipment, kind of staying in our own areas so we're not touching the same things. Now, would that work also, or is this airborne within like a five foot radius? No, it's not airborne, but I don't think that would work because when you're just chilling at home and you're having people over, it's really hard to be constantly aware of that and um and you guys are going to want to eat and and use the same um uh, dishes and utensils and i don't touching the same things it's it's not going to be it's not it's easier said than done what if it was an outside workout what if like i invited them over and we did our workout outside and that was it they didn't enter the house or anything would it still be safe i i I think it was even having one one or two people over, I don't see anything wrong with that. Okay. But I do see something with like a a bigger a bigger event. Um, I've heard that people are still having weddings in their basements, still having um, even funerals. And I heard two circumstances in which people did catch the virus from a wedding and from a and from a funeral. Oh wow! So. Because those events, you don't know who's coming, really. It's like an open invitation, kind of, or or a large invitation. So a lot of people are going to be coming. You have no idea where they've been and what they've been doing. When it's just like having your sister over or having your cousin over or, your, or a close friend, I wouldn't see anything wrong with it. I think that not having any social um, connection with anyone during this time might make one go a little crazy. Yeah, no, that's understandable. Um, all right, so how about we jump into the uh, beefy part of the, the questions that I had? Sort of get rid of the fluff, if that makes any sense. Yes, um, yes So, all right, so you're you're pretty you're you know you're you're obviously a medical doctor, so you're mm-hmm. you're good you're 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 on you're on the the top of the list in terms of getting the right information at the right time. So, <laughs> what is the coronavirus exactly we've heard about the flu and then it has similar symptoms to the flu it starts with Mm -hmm. a runny nose high grade fever and whatever then you get to hear that no it starts after four you can get it right away within four days it's sudden uh you get a really high fever to begin with um and it slowly tapers off and you get a really dry cough which could lead into a chest infection which could lead into pneumonia so what exactly Mm -hmm. is the coronavirus okay so the coronavirus itself is uh actually a family of diseases it's a family of viruses the covid19 they're calling it the newest coronavirus is the sixth member of this uh coronavirus family other ones were the sars and the mers um 
COVID-19 just was first seen and discovered ever in the, in in history in in on uh, December 2019 in the city of Wuhan China and uh what happened was it's still very early and people are still trying to 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 study the disease but you were talking about how um how it presents and what the symptoms look like yeah. it can actually kind of look like a flu or even a common cold sometimes it can even look like allergies like just allergy symptoms just because this stuff isn't rock solid it's not like a rash is presenting on the person no they're experiencing respiratory symptoms sometimes when you're sick you kind of feel like your ear hurts kind of feel like your nose hurts you're you're congested you're not really sure what's going on there Yeah. So that's what happened with the with the new coronavirus too. It's not it's not all 100%. What they're saying is typically the three most common symptoms that it presents with is a headache and cough and fatigue. The people get really tired. And of course, like you said that happens 4 to 5 days after they're infected infected, which is called the incubation period. So after um I would contract it from someone if, if if someone would give me the virus I would actually not not show any symptoms for at least 4 to 5 days after that I would start presenting with a higher fever a headache cough and I would feel really tired but they also um scientists have also found that some people are presenting with a runny nose, congestion, diarrhea, which can look like other illnesses as well. So even the best doctors can't diagnose this virus from the symptoms only. Okay, so it has to be done with a test basically. Yes. But the most common one, the most common thing to look out for is if you present with a headache and a high fe- a sudden high fever and you know <laughs> real you know being just tired like a train hit you, correct? Right and the cough is usually dry. Yeah, yeah, and that's one thing I've heard is the dry cough. Now, mm-hmm. here's here's a little freaky question that I have for you and this happened in January. Do you think this virus was present um in January? Do you think I mean, do you think it was present earlier and we just didn't know it because, you know, it it started in November. There was the military games in Wuhan at that time. So those guys were spread out all over the world afterwards. People were traveling back and forth. You had the Christmas break that ended in mid-January. So kids and people were coming back from China and all over the world. Do you think it was actually present before that or do you think it just no? It really did just hit Kuwait a few weeks ago. Um I do think it really just hit Kuwait like not not when it when it did just because of how fast the virus spreads okay. it just spreads what's special about this virus when you compare it to influenza and other viruses is that the spread is insanely fast and so um it's it's really hard to be like when you were saying what if i have people over if they are infected it's really hard to be in the same room as someone and not somehow get it from them coughing or sneezing or or touching other things the spread is insanely fast and we we probably would have seen it a lot earlier if it did come a lot earlier the the reason why i asked that question is because i actually talked to a number of uh teachers principals and they are were under the assumption that it was here in late January not only here but around the world in other countries also um including Italy mm-hmm. because of you know they said you know end of January beginning of February we had kids dropping like flies 
um, and they were mm. out for a week or two. And I know one one teacher said, I am 100% sure that it was in Kuwait with the kids first at the beginning of February because within a three-week period, kids were literally dropping like flies. You had five, six kids out, all with the same exact symptoms, all with really bad chest infections, some of it going into pneumonia. So is it possible, and we just missed it because... You know, we thought, okay, well, it was in China. I mean, is it possible or is it, you know... It definitely it definitely is possible that we missed it because if the kids weren't going in to get tested, it does look like a strong cold or a strong flu. It does look just like it, especially with children. They could just, like you said, like drop, get really tired, um, start having some just breathing problems, respiratory symptoms. It could look like a common cold or a flu, a flu to a parent. Okay. So they could just tell their kid to stay home, stay hydrated, and it just passes like any other viruses, uh, like any other virus does. So it's very possible that we missed it like that, and it's very possible that there are still cases among um, society that are not going to hospitals that are infected as well. And will pass. Yeah. Without yeah. them ever discovering because they never went and got tested. I mean, the only reason why I asked that is because we had um, we had Laura Nisi on yesterday from, you know, she, she was in Italy. And we right. were talking about it after the show and before the show. And, you know, I would mentioned it to her and she's a teacher there too. And she was like, yeah, she was like, you know, we had what looked like a really bad flu going around before mm -hmm. um excuse my language the shit hit the fan so to speak yeah. so that's why i wanted to ask you because you know as a doctor and you know medical symptoms can present itself in different ways and sometimes we just don't catch it fast enough and when we took the right. protocols it could have been later and kids are i mean kids pass on the most viruses correct right and it's just the way that it's just the way that kids are as well. It's not because of it's not because um, they pass it on faster, but it's because, you know, they're putting everything in their mouth and they're um, <laughs> and they're like, yeah. <laughs> right, right. They're like sneezing all over the place, coughing on everything. I mean, it was funny. The first thing I told my kid when we were coming back from Dubai, this was after the February break. Um I told him, I said, DJ, keep your hands in your pockets the whole time in the airport. <laughs> and sure enough, mashallah, he kept his hands in the in his pockets, did not touch anything. And we had a wow. thing, we had a thing we had a thing of detol wipes and every time his hands came out, it was like wipe it down, wipe it down, wipe it down. So um that was how we kind of kept his hands at bay. So That was probably very, very hard for him to do. <laughs> Yeah, it definitely it definitely was. I mean, he 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 struggled, but you know, he was he's a good right. kid, so he tries to listen. Now, we've heard a lot of things about the spread of it. Is it so you said it's not airborne, correct? It's only No. It's only by touch, by droplets like if someone sneezes or coughs on something. It's only through droplets. Like even when it's by touch, it's because the person probably blew their nose, coughed, sneezed on their hand. So it's only through respiratory droplets. Okay. Can we catch it from China? <laughs> that's that's one thing I've seen surface. Like that's, if we order a package, question. can we can we catch it if we order a package? Does the virus a die? People, a lot of people were wondering about this question. I was actually about to order something right before the virus spread and went around. And I actually opted not to. I wasn't sure. Um 
the WHO actually stated officially that you can safely order packages from China. Um, and that their reasoning was that the commercial goods, goods and packages are supposed to be dealt with by healthy employees over there as well. So there is a very low chance of catching it. And also like along the way, while it's um, being transported, all of the environment, the harsh environment, basically, and the people dealing with it should all be healthy. So it should get to you safe. That's obviously still a risk. Um, I chose not to take the risk. But officially stated by the WHO, they say that it's safe. All right. And I mean, does the virus die in certain temperatures? There's stuff going around that if you, you know, do cold plunges with the sauna, then you're not mm-hmm. going to get the virus because of your body temperature. And, you know, it will it will kill the virus right. essentially because it can't withstand cold and it can't withstand heat. Um is there any merit to that or is it just BS uh, that people are just mm, circulating? <laughs> Those are some of the like biggest, most popular myths going around. The virus can actually be transmitted. Some people are saying two, the, two different things that you were just talking about. Some people are saying that it can't be transmitted if the actual weather around you is hot or humid or really cold, um, which is wrong. The virus can be transmitted in any weather like weather circumstance in any area of the world but um the other thing you were saying about like your actual temperature being warm uh some people were saying take a hot bath and the virus uh, won't affect you but after the virus is already in your body there's absolutely nothing you can do to to prevent it from showing its symptoms so neither the the temperature around you nor within you will change uh, your chances of contracting the virus. What about like, um, and I, I, I was going to save this question for later, but I'll just get into it right now. What about supplements like ashwagandha, elderberry, uh, echinacea? I mean, we know these these supplements or these herbs have been used for thousands of years to kind of stem off the, the common cold or the flu, reduce symptoms. Mm-hmm. Now, and, and this virus is completely new, so there probably are no studies um, with that. Mm-hmm. Is there any merit to taking these supplements? Because I'll, I'll be honest with you, as soon as I saw it going around, I was like, you know what? I'm going to start <laughs> taking my ashwagandha. I ordered elderberry for my kid um echinacea you know and it's just like even if it doesn't work it will put my mind at ease a little bit that i've taken those precautions is there any merit to that also no harm done what you're doing with what you're doing no harm done um i think what's happening with the coronavirus is that it's starting to 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 remind people to take all of this stuff and to start eating healthy. I think that's kind of the pro of <laughs> glass half full of, of coronavirus going around. Yeah, It's honestly great to take supplements and eat healthy foods. A lot of people talk about garlic as well and um, vitamin C. It is really good to eat all of those healthy, healthy foods, take these su- supplements to boost your immunity. But it's good to do that year round. And if you're just loading on this stuff just right now in the light of the new coronavirus, it probably won't be of any assistance. Probably there's nothing for sure. No, um, even even studies about the actual uh, like other viruses will tell you that if you just load on it while the virus is in your body, it probably won't do anything or while the virus is right around you. It should be something that you get your body used to to boost your immune system. But if 
the new coronavirus is prompting people to start these healthy habits, then why not? They should just continue. When after the scare is gone, they should continue all of these healthy habits. I I'm, I totally agree with that. All right. So so me ordering like five things of zinc lozenges is not going to help me. <laughs> <laughs> it probably won't. But, but you you'll probably have the the a surplus of those supplements when all of this dies down, and you'll continue to take them. So exercising, uh, taking these supplements, eating vegetables and fruits, multiple servings daily, and just turning everyone's whole lifestyle around is very important. All right. Well, I'll, t- I'll take my chances. I'll keep taking my ashwagandha and everything else. <laughs> I'm, d- I'm definitely going to take my. At least I'll be able to sleep at night knowing that I did that. You know, right, That's the right. Thing. They put you at ease. No, I agree. <laughs> and, and hey, ashwagandha is like it's a it's um not an antidepressant. It's uh it reduces anxiety and it boosts testosterone. So I'm happy with that. <laughs> so. Yeah. Oh, that- Great. That'll, if, as, it'll, it'll keep your mood uplifted as well during this quarantine. Yeah. Oh, my God. I, I, <laughs> like, literally, my wife is going nuts because I've, I, I, I tend to annoy her. <laughs> so <laughs> she's been going crazy. Everyone right now is probably telling their husband, please leave the house. Please I know. go back to work. I was talking to, when I was talking to Laura, she said divorce rates in uh, Italy spiked during the quarantine. Wow. Because <laughs> people aren't used to being around their spouses and their family members this much. I mean, we're in a world that is so connected, but yet so disconnected from human contact. And I mean, I think I was telling someone, I said, this is the world's way of rebooting, (laughs) you know? Right. It is. It is. It's, it's kind of like hitting the restart button on a, on a computer. It is. It's, it's going through new updates. And um, while you're, like while your people are at home now, people are advising others to honestly like get to know their siblings, get to know your family, get to know your spouse. <laughs> yeah, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> now that you have the time to. <laughs> oh no! Now he- here's another question: How do we differentiate? Um, how are we going to differentiate the corona uh, virus from? the cold and allergies like right now it's kind of like cold and allergy season this is where my allergies usually pick up during the year so how am I going to know if it's you know corona or if it's an allergy right um you can't know but uh both ways you're not going to go visit a doctor or call a doctor's office and go in as long as you don't have a fever Okay. And as long as you don't have difficulty breathing. Now, allergies for some people who have asthma can present as difficulty breathing. Those people kind of know already what their disease looks like. So they can differentiate. If it doesn't come with a fever and difficulty breathing, they don't need to see a doctor at all. If in in a lot of countries, the um, Center for Disease Prevention and Control in the United States is actually advising the younger people who think they do have coronavirus, like let's say a 20-something-year-old who, st- who has a fever and cough and is living alone in their apartment, um, doctors are advising them to actually stay home and okay. not visit the doctor's office because you have to think as well about the uh, facilities that hospitals have and how used up they are by yeah. people who actually need them. Yeah, no, that's understandable. And the contact points also, because, you know, you're going to, you'll spread it, you know, eventually touching buttons and door handles and whatever else. So that does make sense. Now, what about when do we seek, I mean, 
So if, if, if we present symptoms, should we call the number and have them come to the, the you know, the, the house to test us out? You know, like, how, should we hunker down in a room? What's the best uh, action to take if we suspect that we do have the virus? Right. If um, if someone does suspect that they have the virus and they're not in any emergent circumstance where they're where they can't breathe properly um, and they and they, if, if basically they feel well, but they feel like they have a flu or a cold and they think they might have a virus at home, they should call the hotline, which is one five one and they can ask them. And based on their symptoms, they can tell them whether they should come in or not. And if their advice is not to come in, they should stay home with their Advil or Panadol or some some doctors actually very recently, just today I was reading in France, are advising against using ibuprofen right away okay. and to just stay away for it. There isn't enough evidence to prove whether or not it's, it's uh, harmful for people with coronavirus, but there were some cases in which it wasn't very, uh, it wasn't useful. So they're, they're advising for Panadol, Advil and uh, other things. Paracetamol more, more, more so than, right. yeah, that makes sense. So um, I would advise that the people who, don't have anything urgent, don't have a very high fever, don't have difficulty breathing, to not seek medical attention and stay home if they live alone. And if not, and they want to be, and they want to be quarantined, then they can, for example, if you were if you were living with your family and you don't want to infect anyone and you want to be quarantined, you can call, call the hotline and tell them you want to be tested and you want to be quarantined. Okay, now that's understandable. Now, Speaking of the quarantine, um, let's get into that a little bit because a lot of people aren't really taking it seriously or haven't been taking it as serious as, you know, my, my cousin who's a doctor, you know, Hamoud, he was, you know, right. he was he was telling me three weeks ago, oh, we're going to be fine, you know, as long as people listen to the rules, we'll be okay, we'll be okay. <laughs> and then, like, as soon as those planes came in last week, he's, like, ripping his hair out saying, oh, my God, what are we doing? You know? <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> and, yeah, he was like, he was like, all right, so everything I told you last week, throw it out the window, <laughs> you know, stay in the house, limit your contact, which I agree with because when you have an influx of people that come in untested and, you know, just mixing into the crowds, it's going to spread um, eventually. Um, so now right. when we talk about being quarantined and, you know, we talked about, we talked about this before the show started um, when people are supposed to be quarantined and they're exposing themselves to family members, to people outside, you know, it, that, that selfishness uh, towards the older people, um, whom this affects right. the most, right? Now, mm-hmm. they're the most mm-hmm. at risk. So can you talk about that, like the benefits of quarantining yourself so you don't put right. these people at risk? Right. Um, I think the most important, a lot of people are asking, what can I do right now? I want to volunteer. Um, I want to take things that boost my immune system. What am I supposed to do? And some people even want to help the, the country. They're asking if they can volunteer and things like that. Honestly, there are links to volunteer and and all of that stuff. But if you do want to help the country, the most important thing you can do is stay at home. Um, The quarantine should be taken very, very seriously, especially since Italy just a few weeks ago was in our same exact place that we're in right now, had the same amount of cases, confirmed cases, and their their numbers are, are increasing exponentially because they didn't take 
the quarantine seriously. Their country didn't ex- didn't um, implement very tough laws on the quarantine like Kuwait is right now. Yeah, but but they didn't take the the virus seriously. Like we didn't take it seriously a few weeks ago here, but now that we're seeing what what's happening in Italy and Spain and Germany, um, and what already happened in China, and honestly, the the good example of what happened in China and how the curve is now plateaued and starting to decrease, where they have they have a lot of cases improving and getting better from the virus, uh, we should take that as a positive example on of how quarantine helped. Uh, huge nation like China contain the virus and um, even the fact that Kuwait closed airports and um, airplanes coming in and out of Kuwait I think that's a very very good uh, move and I think that and I also um, just to add the New York Post actually like um, wrote a wrote, wrote up like a page on Kuwait and how they think their what's going on in Mishrif is something to be proud of and um, is a good way to deal with what's going on here in the country. So I'm just going to to really um, stress on how important it is for people to stay home and to quarantine themselves and that no one is actually watching you and you can uh, go to the underground wedding that you're invited to, but you won't you wouldn't be doing yourself any good and you wouldn't be doing the country any good because if you are young and can wash out the virus, a lot of other people cannot, uh, old people can't, and some some young people who are suffering from diseases or taking medications that lower their immune system that aren't making this public will be greatly affected by uh, you being infected and being around them. Yeah, and I, I mean, for me, and I, I told this to my wife at the beginning, she was like, oh, you know, I think they're blown out of proportion. This is insane. And I even said this on the show last week with Dr. Dinka when she was talking about the panic with everything. And I said, look, hospitals are not equipped to deal with uh-huh. thousands of older people getting sick. It's just, uh-huh. it's it's logically, I mean, in Kuwait, how many doctors do we have? Maybe 7,000, maybe 4,000 doctors right. for a population we, of 4 we, million? We already, we already don't have enough doctors. Like, we, we were already um, a country that says we don't have enough doctors for this country. <laughs> Oh wow, wow. So, I mean, like if if cuz we do have an older population. Now, let's talk about the percentages. If I'm in my 50s, what is mm-hmm. the likelihood that I would die from this? Um, so it's not exactly like that because with age, there's also whether you have high blood pressure or not, whether you have diabetes or heart disease. So, and they're not considering 50s as the as the older population. The older population is probably 65 and older. So that would be that would be considered the elderly in, in, oh, in okay. medical terms. All so, right. um, but but with even if you're a 50 year old, but you do have some of the like an underlying heart problem, you might be more at risk for a d- severe course of this disease than someone who's even in their 60s. What about diabetes? Because we do have like some of the world's like we're pretty up there in terms of, you know, having right. the world's most most diabetic people right. in the world. So, I mean, we have the, problem, the obesity, the, yeah, diabetes. the problem with diabetes. The problem with diabetes is it actually lowers your immune system by itself, like just the disease in itself lowers the immune system. And 
So they are at risk. And um, that's why I'm telling you people should not be selfish because uh, they could infect someone who, 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 whose body is not equipped enough to, to fight off this infection. Wow. So if you're 65 and up or if you have parents that are 65 and up and you suspect you have the coronavirus, stay the hell away from them because that could be right. that could be death. Correct. Like, I mean, what what's the percentage yes. of someone 65 or older um, dying from this? I mean, we've seen min- health ministers die, you know, in Iran. We've seen, um, you know, we're seeing it affect mm-hmm. presidents. The health minister in Italy, mm-hmm. the guy who was dealing with ground zero died from it. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. What is the likelihood if you're 65 plus? They're saying that they're saying that not only if you're 65 plus, just people infected with the coronavirus, there is a one in six chance. So one in six people who are infected with coronavirus end up having a um, like the symptoms that I was telling you about, like the difficulty breathing. So without hospital care, those people could have also ended up dead. So it is very important to take this virus seriously if you do get infected, even to watch yourself for the, for these symptoms. Wow. Now, say someone gets out of quarantine, okay, and they're mm-hmm. like, all right, you know, I'm out of quarantine, whatever, whatever. Um, it's been 14 days. They get out of quarantine, and they're like, I can go mix in with the general prop. Is this like other viruses or whatever where we build up that immune system uh, to it, or can we catch it again? I, I I thought of that before, that like people leaving the quarantine, I hope they're not mixing with the general public right away again, because it's not just that usually when you get a virus, you do not get it again because your immunity is um, is uh, has seen that virus before and knows how to fight it off and you just don't get it again, like the chicken pox as well. Yeah. But um there is a small chance that they could catch a changing strain of the virus if it's changed already. That chance exists. And also, I hope they're not mixing with the general population because they're still shedding the virus for 20 days after. And in one case in China, there was someone spreading the virus up to 37 days. That was the maximum. But um, yeah, you could not show the symptoms anymore and feel better, but still shed the virus. And so I hope people who are leaving the quarantine are still taking precautions. Wow, that's uh, that's that's kind of scary right there because there's still, right. you know, there's a lot of people <laughs> leaving quarantine. So it's like if you get tested. So if you get tested and you're you're you know the the test is negative. Could you still be shedding the virus or no? You're just completely clear. There's nothing left in your system of the coronavirus. If you're if the test is negative, they should probably not be shedding the virus. But this is something this is kind of like a probability game and a statistics game where it's not a hundred percent. And we always say in medicine, nothing is a hundred percent. So uh, you can't be a hundred percent sure ever. I was just going to ask you, what's the Take the risk. What you stay is, home. What is the uh, the false positive of this? What's the probability of it? Like, what's the error rate um, in terms of these tests? Is it within an eighty percent? Is it within ninety percent? Is it within ninety nine percent? What's the you know like how accurate are the tests? Because this is fairly right. new. It, right. It depends on the test. Um, with the temperature, uh, the temperature testing that they're doing in Mishif, obviously that's not very accurate. It's uh, it's logical to do at such a 
large population because they're not going to actually take samples from every single one of oh, those. Oh, so they're not they're not about... they're not swabbing and measure. I thought they were swabbing. No, they're they're actually checking their temperatures. It's just a temperature the... check. <laughs> it's a temperature check. Yes, um, I know. I know someone who went personally, and I have two friends who are volunteering there. Yeah, and uh, they're telling me that it's a temperature check, and and um, test like each test differs, and the, the we call it the sensitivity or or the probability that the we can trust the negative test. Okay. Um, where, when it comes to just te- checking temperatures, is not very high. Uh, a lot of people can get away with it. Also, not because of, but also because of the virus itself. We said that the first few days is an incubation period where you don't show any symptoms. So, in the first few days, if if that's when they go check their temperature, it could not be high. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. And so they can get away. With, so that that makes the test not very accurate. But it, but then someone could ask, why is Kuwait using such an inaccurate test? But it's because it's it doesn't make sense to use to swab all of these people. It would take forever. Well, what about Korea? I mean, was it Korea or North Korea? It was it was one of them where I saw they had the drive through um, testing service. Like you just drive through with your car, they swab your nose, they swab your throat, and you just go on your way. And they call you within two days to tell you yeah. if it's so. The swab or is a lot better. So the swab is. Why a lot aren't better we? Why aren't we doing that here? Why aren't we having? Uh, why aren't we trying to set up something as as good as that? Because then you're limiting human contact right i mean that's the whole point of this to limit the spread is through human contact wouldn't it be better to do something like that have a drive-through you know kind of like mcdonald's it would definitely be better i don't think uh the everyone can do it and uh over here and i don't think we're uh as bit like as as equipped as the other countries to deal with such a large amount of people needing medical care and even if it's just being tested, uh, even Jabot Hospital was overflowing with people who wanted to be tested. And that's where they were doing the swab. Okay. So a lot of people, like even even healthcare professionals and, and healthcare personnel who were around the people who later on got diagnosed with coronavirus, had to go get tested in Jabot Hospital. And, and the place was packed and the line was really long to just get swabbed. So because... Kuwait wasn't ready for all of this. I think what they're doing in such a short amount of time is is really good. I do agree with you about people being close to each other in Mishrif. That's not that's not something that is advised, and that's something that the government is trying to prevent. Yeah. But it's still ha- it's still happening and it's still going on. I mean, I talked to a doctor yesterday, and I'm not naming names, but he was like, "I can't believe this is going on." You know, I've talked to several doctors, and they were like, "Just." We've told them not to do this, <laughs> you know. Like, like we're, we're screaming, please don't do something that like this. Granted, it's a very good process, but you saw on um, social media that some of the lines got out of control and people were literally, um, you know, shoulder to shoulder. Right, and the problem is a lot of the people that they called in were already in Kuwait for longer than two weeks. Um, so they've already, if they were infected, they've already had the infection, <laughs> they've recovered from the infection, they've passed it around. So, um, I think just the way, the way they did it could have been tweaked, but inside, inside, so that everything outside and, and how they planned it could have been fixed. 
But inside, apparently, they were following the one meter distance between the chairs. Yeah. And and like the personal protective equipment that the people working there were wearing. Everything else was all right. But um, someone who had the coronavirus and went there and, and stuck to the person in front of them in line, that's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think what the country has done thus, thus far, I'm extremely surprised with shutting down because I thought Kuwait would be like one of the last countries to shut down. But for them to do mm-hmm. that so quick, I was really happy with that, proud of it. And I just I, I wish the people would listen and, you know, observe what the government's doing. You know, I mean, there's a reason why I did the interview with uh, Laura in Italy yesterday to get the lowdown on what hap- what's going on there from someone that's in ground zero. And what she described mm-hmm. yesterday sent chills up my spine. And I really hope we don't get to that. Now, what is the percentage of us getting to that point where we see numbers climbing into the, you know, the thousands? Um, yesterday I was doing some math and if it was like around 1% of the Kuwaiti population, that's about 22,000 people, I think, if I'm not mistaken, I'm not mm-hmm. a math genius here, but <laughs> I mean, it's, it's roughly, it's that's roughly, why I'm in medicine. <laughs> it's roughly a big number, but do right. we, will we see the, would we see with our population that type of number? Now, Italy has 60 million people in it. Kuwait has 4 million. What mm-hmm. is the maximum and what is the minimum that we can expect to see in all of this, in your opinion? Um, honestly, I'm not the best to talk about numbers, but I will say that I think with the uh, with all of the laws that are on all of the self like um, all of the quarantine laws that Kuwait has right now, the curve that that Kuwait like the cases curve of Kuwait will be more of like a smooth curve that will go up a little and then go back down obviously the cases might get in the thousands and that shouldn't scare anyone because the cases have to go up they're not going to start going down right now people are still infected infected and infecting people in in society and around us so Cases are not going to go down right now. It shouldn't scare anyone that the cases will be rising. But at one point, probably after hitting the thousands, they will, the cases will plateau and start to come down if we continue quarantining in the correct way and if we listen to the government and take all of this seriously. Whereas if we don't, like Italy did in the beginning and like Spain did and Germany, what will happen is the cases will continue to to rise and then it'll plummet down afterwards after it reaches a very high peak and and does major damage to even like to even the economy yeah yeah i mean it's not like italy's economy was doing well to start with (laughs) that's true that's very true so it's it's really this disease is taking a hit on everything so now what do you think our peak would be i mean italy they said they're two weeks away from their peak which is kind of scary um, what do you think our peak might be? Will it be 300, 400 or will our peak be 3000, 4000? I think this all depends on how seriously people, people here are, are going to start taking it, which I think they are. I think they're taking it very seriously. So I don't see it going over a thousand. Inshallah. I hope so. I really it hope could. so. I, I'm, it could. I'm, I'm, if I'm, everyone takes it as seriously as they are right now, like fingers crossed, um people are realizing i hope this um this sudden fear from from what's going on 
won't die down all of a sudden <laughs> and they'll start get you getting used to the quarantine oh whatever i want to start going to my friends houses i want to start hanging out again because that will happen they will start to get used to what's going on and start seeing it as normal and wanting to go back to going out and and just having a good time and and um i guess if they continue to take this seriously our our curve will look a lot more like china than like uh even better than china than like italy and those other countries that that would be great if that would actually happen um now a few more questions before we get we 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 end this thing and one of them one of them is an important question that kind of it was something that i began to look at through statistical data and just you know talking to various people and it was about the spanish flu it was kind of alarming to me when i saw the numbers of the um, people that died during, you know, during that in the 1920s, where the Spanish flu overtook the population of, I think it was 18 to 25, where the highest mortality rate was. And a lot of that could be attributed that they were the coal workers, the miners and whatever. But there was another thing that I read where if you are extremely healthy and if you are in really good shape and everything that your body can um, trigger an autoimmune response where your immune system will essentially attack itself. Mm -hmm. Is there a possibility of that happening with this virus to say someone that's extremely healthy goes to the gym and, you know, they're kind of in their prime? Is that possible or is that not possible? Okay, so, so far... Um, younger people were actually the least affected by this virus. They obviously everyone can catch it, but younger people were ha are having um, just a normal course of the disease where it comes and it passes with no major damage, no long term effects. Um, I was reading about the about the Spanish flu, and they were saying that they they were saying that they had. Uh, two theories as to why the younger people were dying uh, between the ages of 18 and 25. They were saying one of them is because people in that age have a have a much stronger immune system. And so their immune system, it, it's called a cytokine storm. And what happens is the immune system starts to uh, attack itself because because it's triggered by the virus. And the other theory was that, like you said, they were mostly the co-workers, the people in the medical camps, um, in, in, in the military as well. So those were the people usually infected, and they were saying that these people also were very malnourished. Yeah. And so, uh, may, and, and, and were in areas of very poor hygiene as well. So they were saying it could have also triggered bacterial super infection on top of the, the Spanish flu that they already had, and that that killed most of the victims. Both ways, that's not the pattern and what that's going on with the coronavirus so far. We haven't we haven't been seeing any young people uh, that have um, difficult or severe courses to the disease in Kuwait, at least. Wow. All right. Well, thank God that's not happening here. Um, what are some of the before we end this thing? What are some of the biggest myths you can bust about the coronavirus? Okay, so um, a lot of people think it only affects older people. They're hearing that older people are more at risk, so they're saying it only affects older people. And I'm I'm young and I'm healthy, and I'll go out and I'll be fine. But most probably, um, it it actually affects everyone, even kids. But and most probably, the young person will be fine. But we said that like 
they might bring the illness to someone older or someone whose immune system can't protect themselves. And so it does actually affect every age group. Uh, some people are wondering why there is no treatment yet. And um, they're asking for there to be a treatment and they're actually very worried that there's no treatment, but that shouldn't be what well, it's not actually a myth, but it's something I, I'm seeing a lot of people worry about. It shouldn't be something that they're very worried about because uh this virus actually clears itself on its own. Okay. It's what we call self-limited. And so all they do need is supportive treatment. And what's best is, and, and we, ha- we do have a treatment to the influenza virus, but it's still killing a lot of people year round because um, it's best to just avoid this illness, like for influenza by vaccination. Um, another myth is that some people are, some people think putting like, rubbing alcohol and chlorine all over their body is going to help, which it isn't. It's it's not going to help at all, actually. Uh, just taking the proper precautions and um, everything in moderation and not, not going crazy overboard with, uh, with, with the, the rubbing alcohol and the chlorine and the, and the cleaning uh, is actually better for their health than the anxiety that comes with the, <laughs> going overboard. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Um, uh, thank you very much for coming on on such short notice. Uh, we really appreciate it. Of and course. I'd love to have you back on during this uh, quarantine phase. Um, you know, maybe in a, maybe in a week or so we could talk again and, you know, yeah. see if you get any new data that pops up and stuff that could help the listeners. And maybe we could do a segment on, you know, just how to stay healthy during the quarantine. <laughs> right. We'll see. We'll see how things change as well. It's very un- unpredictable. Just a week ago, I wouldn't have imagined that all of this would happen here. And how, how long are you predicting this quarantine to last? Because some of the officials that I've spoken to, they said two weeks was just to be nice and not to freak everybody out. But in reality, yeah. this may last till, um, you know, parts of May, maybe even early June. Um, because, I want to say June. Yeah, because globally, it's not going to slow down. Um, following the patterns that happened in China, where I tell you people are starting to get better, I want to say this might last till June, and that people should um, honestly like stay um, alert and not not anxious about it, but just be accepting to the fact that this might last till June. Okay. All right. So I should cancel my plans to go to the States in July because <laughs> they're not going to end. They're not going to end anytime Just, soon. <laughs> right. And they're, and they've actually started uh, after us, their cases have started to go up. So it's um, no one knows what's going to happen over there yet. Yeah. I, t- I told my uh, mother-in-law yesterday, I go, look, I don't care. I don't take any of the CNN, the officials. I don't take them seriously. I don't give a crap. But when I see the major that Major League Baseball has suspended the start of their season, that's when I'm freaked out. <laughs> you know? Because right. right. all, all the sporting the, and events. The NBA yeah. Well. yeah, yeah. All the sporting events. They, they've all canceled out. Right. And, you know, when that happens, like, and we're talking like these are, you know, huge conglomerate, you know, like networks that are built on viewership and everything. And, you know they're recognizing that this is going to be, it's going to be, it's it's going to be like you know it's it's going to be a long haul. That's that's what it's going right. to be. Right. Right. I actually wanted to add one more myth. Yeah, go ahead. 
a lot of people are are spreading around that the virus definitely came from bats. You know how um, this family of viruses, the coronaviruses, they can come from an animal where an animal source, the one before this one in 2014 came from camels. But um, there's actually no proven uh, evidence that it did come from bats. They do, they do think that it started in an animal market in Wuhan, China, but there is no evidence that it actually started from the bats themselves. Well, yeah, I mean, subhanAllah, God knows. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's right, one of those actually things. Point, not proven yet, yeah. It's it's one of those things. It's mother nature. You can't, you know, you can't really force that. And I was telling, like, like we said a little bit earlier, I think this is mother nature's way of forcing us to reboot a little bit and you right. know, give the earth Taking a, a break from... <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm looking outside right now and the skies are completely blue. And, I, you know, it's like... Yeah, they they showed a picture of China with blue skies too, saying you know because production's down and everything's down, it's allow you know. So I think it's we can see the sky. <laughs> yeah, you know, and you know we don't see that smog over the city like we usually see, and hopefully the maps right. are a little lighter in color. Have you seen the uh, the air quality maps? Kuwait's always like purple, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Maybe we'll move. I was actually, I, I actually, when I'm in the States, I, I, I Google the Kuwait air quality and I tell my grandma, don't come look at the Kuwait air quality. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I mean, it's, it's pretty bad here, but thank you again so much for coming on the show. Um, we really appreciate it and hopefully people will benefit out of this. Of course, it was a pleasure being on the podcast and thanks for having me. And I hope everyone just stays safe, stays at home. Uh, unless it's absolutely necessary and abides by the ministry's laws. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much.